Hey guys, this is my leak. This is the My Taught You podcast. I am back. Look at me. Uh, two podcasts back to back in two weeks. Um, today I have a super awesome guest, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford. She is a licensed psychologist in the state of Georgia. Um, you may have heard of her if you, is it uh, Therapy for Black Girls, the website, the podcast, but Dr. Joy, can I call you Dr. Joy? Please, yes. Okay, so Dr. Joy um, has a bachelor's uh, in psychology from Xavier University, a master's in vocational rehabilitation counseling from Arkansas State, and a PhD in counseling psychology from the University of Georgia. Her specialties include working with Black women in both individual and couples counseling. Her primary areas of interest include breakup and divorce recovery, depression, work-life balance, relationship skills, and self-esteem improvement. She also has a wealth of knowledge in working with undergraduate and graduate students in areas including procrastination, stress management, and career development. Dr. Joy Harden Bradford is also the founder of Therapy for Black Girls, an online space dedicated to encouraging the mental wellness of Black women and girls, presenting mental health topics in a way that feels more accessible and relevant. Um, all of my followers know that I am big on therapy. So I just want to thank you, not just for being on the podcast, but for the work that you're doing. So welcome. Dr. Thank Dr. you. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Okay. So I I guess I'm going to just dive right in and I'm just curious to know the difference between a um a psychologist and a psychotherapist. That's my my own personal question. So what is the difference? So a psychologist um, is a protected term. Usually we are licensed by each state. Um, okay. So you you can sometimes hear that term used interchangeably, interchangeably. So some psychologists will call themselves psychotherapists. But typically okay. um, the psychotherapist term is used for people who may be like clinical social workers or licensed professional counselors, other types of degrees. Okay, got it. So uh, I I want to talk about you for a little bit. And I just want to know, how did you get into this field, field of profession? Like, what do you, how do you feel you were called to do this work? I think that lots of therapists have this story of kind of being the person in their circles who like everybody goes to for problems, right? <laughs> um, so I, I feel like I have been that person in a lot of my circles. Um, and and really feel like I've always just developed like a really keen sense of like how to listen to people and really connect with them. So I think okay. all of those skills that were innately built into me have helped me to become a really good psychologist as well. Okay. So uh, I, I'm so glad that like, I came up a little bit in a time, you know, when I went to college, I don't, I don't even text messaging wasn't a thing, but now with social media, you and I had lunch. So for those of you who know my rule, Dr. Joy and I did sit and have lunch in Atlanta. <laughs> um, and so I, you know, I don't know how people sort of get over breakups because it used to sort of be where you would break up and, you know, maybe you deleted their number. You didn't remember it. You just didn't have it. But now you can pretty much see someone or hear from them forever. So how has social media, how do you think social media has impacted breakups these days? 
You are so right about that, Malik. I mean, I think that it is almost impossible to kind of cut some of those ties like it mm-hmm. used to be. Um, yeah. because now you can kind of still passively be following what's going on with your ex, right? Like if you're mm-hmm. still following their Facebook page or following them on Twitter or Instagram. Um, so it does feel like it's harder to cut off some of those connections, which does make it harder to then get over the, the heartbreak of, you know, ending the relationship, which is why I always recommend that one of the very first steps is to, to cut all virtual ties with the ex as well as in-person ties that was my next question of like what are you know what can like what could you do socially to move things along basically just unfollow yes unfollow sometimes you need to take a break altogether right because if it's been like a very public relationship you know like if there are lots of pictures and you know people are always tagging you sometimes even just unfollowing is not enough sometimes you have to just take a break altogether to kind of get get it out of your system so to speak um and then maybe come back uh you know sometimes it's really hard for people to do that so i will do things like suggest them changing their password and giving like their best friend the password so that they're not tempted to log back in and you know do a little bit of looking at the ex's profile but it is a really hard step for people because i think because we have uh now developed into such a social media heavy culture Mm -hmm. that feels like a very intimate part of the relationship like the relationship that you have in person with your partner but also like the public the public relationship so it's almost like two different kinds of breakups like now you're also having to share with everybody in public i didn't even think of that that like you know now it is a it's it's the I don't know, is it shame or something like, okay, I already have the pain of the breakup. And now I have this and I always joke about how you sort of know when all of a sudden the pictures go away. And <laughs> there's like the quotes come up. And it's just like, uh Oh, you know, which I think prompts a lot of people to not I know a lot of public people that I know don't like to share who they're dating for that very reason. Um, I have a lot of listener questions. So I sent, I put out a Insta story yesterday saying that I would be talking to, um, a psychologist and I got, I mean, my inbox was flooded yesterday. So there is no way that, uh, we will be able to cover everything, but I, I try to pick some questions that I think would be relevant, um, to many. But before we get into that, Dr. Joy, I want to really just see how you feel about, when I first started therapy, I would say this August will make six years that I've been going to therapy. And I tell people that I have gone um, much like I would go to the gym to stay fit. You know, I think that sometimes we feel like, well, if I, I have to be in crisis or something has to be deeply wrong. And I really just go sort of for like maintenance, you know, to make sure that everything um, up there emotionally that I'm, I'm on track. But do you think that the stigma is sort of fading for therapy? I know I think I heard Jay-Z say he was going to therapy. Like all of these, you know, celebs are coming out and saying that they're going. And when I started going, I was like, how can any successful person sort of make it without therapy? But I think it behooves us all to sort of check in once in a while. But do you think that the the topic of therapy is fading in the Black community? The taboo I- of it? 
Right. I do think, I mean, that's why I'm so grateful that you are so open to talking about therapy, because I think for a lot of people listening to your podcast was the first time they've heard like, oh, it's totally okay okay to go to therapy, not in crisis. Right. And I feel like a lot of high profile people are talking about it. So Jay-Z, the ladies from Another Round podcast talk about it pretty openly. They talk about it openly on the read, like lots of different, very public figures are talking about their experience with therapy and how helpful it's been. And I do think that has taken away some of the stigma because it's not just in crisis right like Mm -hmm. it's actually much better if you can get into a therapist before the crisis happens that way we may be able to prevent some of the crisis stuff right so I I like the analogy of likening it to the way that we go to the gym because it is very similar to that yes Um, yeah I I didn't even I guess in a lot of ways I was naive and when I started going to therapy it was so good for me that I just could not be quiet about it. I was just like, you know, a lot of skills that no one taught me. And I think sometimes we, and you feel free to chime in at any point. I feel like we, we put ourselves up to a standard of like, you know, we, how, how should someone know how to handle trauma? You know, it's like, how would you know how to deal with a situation without a professional's help? But we seem to think that like, we should know how to deal with a breakup, you know, like I should know how to move on. And that's just not something that we always know how to do. And so when I started going to therapy and I found myself less angry, you know, I used to, I don't even think I realized how upset I used to be all the time and everything would upset me. You know, I go through line, the cashier would upset me. I was so angry. And once I just got this toolkit, you know, I love some things that my therapist taught me that like sort of, is it true challenge? I used to be making up stuff like, Mm -hmm. oh, so-and-so is doing, it's like, is that true? (laughs) Can you prove that? You know? Um, But a lot of us will do that. And so I think the, the most burning question I've gotten about therapy is, how do I choose a therapist? Mm-hmm. That's a good one. And it, it's mm-hmm. it's hard, right? Because it's not a one size fits all. So yeah. that's that's also the beauty of therapy. And I think what can make it really powerful um, and a great tool for a lot of people is that really what you're talking about is just a healing relationship with another person, right? Mm-hmm. And so in any kind of relationship, we want to make sure that it's a good fit. We want to make sure that we really feel seen by this person, that we feel comfortable talking to this person. And so the downside of that, though, is that you may have to go through a couple of therapists before mm-hmm. you find the right one. And I know a lot of people hate to hear that because it's like, I don't want to keep opening up this can of worms to <laughs> yes, these new yes. people, right? Like that doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. But I think once you find somebody who is a really good fit for you, then you will realize it was all worth it, even if you have to try a couple. Okay, I think that's fair. I feel like I got lucky in that a friend recommended a therapist to me and I the, I went to her and it was like okay this is good um, but I think the next question I want to ask you because a lot of us don't know and I didn't know this either is that I didn't know what to expect right mm-hmm. and I think that it, it, expectation management is huge so you know it takes all this kind of courage sometimes to to get it together and go to therapy and then you leave after the first session and you're like I'm not healed like or I'm not you know I'm not better <laughs> So what should one expect during the first few sessions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so that's a great point that you 
That's a great point that you brought up because you definitely, well, I won't say definitely, but it's likely that you will not feel better after your first session. As a matter of fact, you could feel worse um, because, yeah. <laughs> because the therapist may ask some questions that kind of uncover some things that you have been really trying to push down, not wanting to deal with for a very long time. So you may actually feel a little worse after going to your first session. But you're like, it's likely that your first session and maybe even your first couple or just lots of questions, right? Because you're coming yes. in with all these years of whatever has been going on and we're just getting to know you, right? right. And so, right. you know, we're trying to understand like, okay, what's been happening? How, you know, what kind of symptoms are you presenting with? What kinds of treatment things are we thinking may be helpful for you? We're really just trying to get a lot of background in those first couple of sessions. And we're also trying to assess if you are going to be a good fit for us, right? So as much as you... As much as you are choosing, we are too, right? Because we're all not um, like, you know, we have licenses. So there are some general things that most therapists can do. But some lots of us also have particular specialties. Right. So, you know, if you come to me and it looks like um, there's something that you're dealing with that I really feel like I'm probably not the best person that's going to be able to help you, then I may say to you after a couple of those first sessions, like, hey, from what you're describing, it sounds like so-and-so may actually be a better fit for you. Would you be open to a referral? Because okay. we also don't want to get you into a situation where we don't really feel like we can help you. Okay. And that's, yeah. the thing, that's the thing that I was, I wanted to talk about because I know that you have the directory, which I think is mm -hmm. awesome. And the therapy is, I mean, in the directory is therapy for black girls.com mm -hmm. slash directory. Okay. So for those who are looking for therapists of color, that is where they can find them. Um, but I guess uh, a personal question is how does like, so there'll be these specialties, right? And it's like, okay, mm -hmm. I specialize in this and this and that. But how, what if I don't know that I'm depressed? You know, is there a way that I would know that I was depressed to then come to you? Like, what are some, some signs or symptoms um, that, because I don't know, I was reading in my research that sometimes we'll think that it's, being laziness or just we're not motivated you know it's like mm -hmm. when actually we're depressed like we're beating ourselves up because we can't get anything done but the truth is it is because we're depressed and not because we're lazy you know right right so I don't yeah. know if you can help me with that like how how could I go about finding out what kind of therapist I may need you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think for a lot of people when they feel like something is off or, you know, like, okay, I, I feel like I should be able to do more or, you know, I'm noticing this drastic change in my behavior. A lot of people's first thing is to go online, right? We Google everything. Mm -hmm. um, and so you will find like lots of quizzes online, like, oh, depression symptoms or if you put in lack of motivation or something, it's likely that some kind of quiz or something will come up. Um, but you could also just, you know, look through maybe the directory or wherever you're looking through if you're wanting to use your insurance if you get a list from your insurance company you could also just start looking at therapists websites so I am excited that therapists have gotten a lot better at being able to kind of just speak to their clients in their websites as opposed to using a whole bunch of jargon so you may go to a therapist website and you will see them describe like hey have you noticed that you're um, not as motivated as you used to be or you don't want to work out as much as you used to like you will sometimes be able to see yourself in a therapist website like oh my gosh, I am struggling with that. Okay. So I think visiting therapist websites can also help you to get a sense of who may be a good fit for you, depending on what you're struggling with. 
Okay. Yeah. I love that. That is a good idea. And I always, uh, joke with my therapist. She's like, your therapist is coming to, to the modern age, my league. I'm like, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You know, it's like, get, get fancy because it's like, you got to now is the, you know, I feel like it was such a private sort of thing, but I feel mm-hmm. like you can put yourself out a little bit so that people can find you. Right. Mm hmm. So, okay, I'm going to get to some of these questions. And so um, the first one, a young lady says, could you please ask for them to touch on love addiction? And I don't know if that's a thing or not. I'm just, this is what the question says. It says, I sometimes wonder how much of the ride or die mentality, particularly when not reciprocated, that we have placed um, value on as black women um, comes from a deeper place than low self-esteem or loneliness specific question how does love addiction impact staying in bad relationships or getting over them once they've ended does that how you know this ride or die mentality i i think it's a thing mm-hmm. you know? yeah i think it can be related to a lot of different factors so i think lots of us have been socialized to feel like any kind of partner is better than no partner Right. And so and then when you add on top of that, this whole like statistics about how many Mm -hmm. um, single eligible black men there are for women, you know, and the numbers are not necessarily in your favor or whatever, Mm -hmm. then people then I think sometimes make decisions from a place of desperation, which are not the healthiest. Okay, And how? Yeah. I mean, it's really I I fell for that, too. You know, I I will admit that I fell into that that fear of like, I may never have anyone because I'm quote unquote too ambitious, you know, or I will be someone will be intimidated by me, you know, but uh, how is, is there a way that we can feel less desperate? Well, I think being able to put words to it is a good place to start, right? Like you don't want to kind of not know that that's what's going on in the background. So I think some awareness for yourself around like, okay, what is fueling me to make those decisions? But I think related to the whole topic of love addiction. So that's not necessarily a, um, like a diagnostic term. That's more something that people are like using, like just colloquially, but it is related to attachment style. So, um, you know, based on like your early relationships with parents or caregivers a lot of that does determine how we act and react in in certain relationships so if we have had really secure attachments and secure relationships with our early caregivers that dictates that we may have more secure relationships with you know romantic partners and friendships later in life but if we feel like um you know like our needs weren't met as children and what we we call insecure attachment then that also dictates us maybe not finding partners or sometimes finding partners who even replicate that same Mm -hmm. kind of pattern because we're not used to our needs being met so sometimes you will go out and search and not even necessarily on Mm -hmm. a conscious level but because it's something you're familiar with you are tending to attract and end up in relationships with people who do those same kinds of things everybody's always like you know you will date your father and it's like well that's not it is it's true but it's not but it's like that's what you know so it's probably not shocking mm-hmm. that you end up, you know, I think that was the biggest sort of like aha moment for me in therapy was um, repetition compulsion. And when I, I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. you know how 
sort of like wanting mm-hmm. to change the story, you know, trying to trying to change right. my dad through current relationships. And I'm like, this man is living his life and I'm over here and I'm over <laughs> here on repeat uh, over here. That was like mm-hmm. the biggest um, aha moment for me. Um, but I'm going to keep going because I have a lot of lot of questions. Um, and this one okay. is, I thought it was pretty interesting. This young lady says, I'm more, I'm more on the introverted side and I haven't had much dating experience in my early thirties. I waited, I'm in my early thirties and I waited until my late twenties to lose my virginity. And I had only had sex with one guy until quite recently. I haven't known him long and I'm surprised with myself that I actually slept with someone I wasn't in a relationship with not my thing i find that being overweight is a major insecurity for me in the realm of dating and sex in the world of online dating i'm never sure if a dude will be disappointed when he meets me i was so not confident when i recently had sex i think if i could find a way to be more accepting of my body and have confidence that a guy isn't judging me i'd have better dates relationships and sex for some reason i always have this fear in the back of my mind that guys who like me won't stick around once they find someone who's not fat. I know that sounds unreasonable. I've just had several experiences where men have clearly liked me but not pursued anything serious with me due to my size. Besides the size issues, being more on the introverted side makes it difficult to build relationships with people. Once I know someone, I'm fine. But that period of getting to know someone is rough for me because I never know what to say or do. I never know what the balance should be in between myself to say do more or falling back so I don't seem needy or clingy. Also, so many of the men my age want to text all of the time now. I think I'm better at phone and in-person conversations because despite my introverted tendencies, my personality has the opportunity to come out as long as I'm comfortable. Any tips or suggestions are greatly appreciated. So wasn't really a question, but I guess what I got, and this is, I'm just uh, thinking as normally I answer the questions, but I think I feel like you, um, you probably got all the real juice, but I may even jump, I may even jump <laughs> in and give my opinion. Um, but what do you, what do you think about this? Is that, you know, it sounds like late bloomer in terms of dating, uh, insecure about her weight. Um, I guess another topic is guys wanting to text more these days. I, I feel like we could talk about sort of mm-hmm. all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that, that letter definitely mm-hmm. was a lot. Um, there were a lot of layers, you know, inbox. like a lot of complexities. It feels like. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you know, you to try to, to try to peel through all of that and what I really would suggest I'm hoping that this person is working with okay. a therapist and if not then I would suggest okay. that they do um, because it sounds like there's a lot of energy around like insecurities about body um, some Im- abandonment oh, stuff so this whole idea that people will leave okay. um, and and that could come from somewhere else. I mean, it sounds like there is also some previous right. experience, right? But we don't know that that is necessarily related to like any body stuff. But it sounds like um, at least she's thinking there is. So I would want her to maybe explore more. Like, is there, like you said, your therapist told you, is this true? Is there really any evidence mm-hmm. to support this? But also... Um, working through her own insecurities related to her body, you know, because when we feel insecure, then we project certain things. And so 
because we're projecting certain things, then we perceive things sometimes not as they really are, but how we're seeing them, um, which isn't always accurate. So I really would hope that she would talk with a therapist to try to kind of work okay. through a lot of that. Um, but then the, yes. the whole texting thing, I mean, I feel like a lot of people are doing more texting, but it's okay if you don't want to, right? Like that's the beauty of us being able to make our own choices. If you are somebody who likes more in-person things and you go to more in-person things that allow you to talk to people in person, you don't have to choose somebody who does prefer to text you know you can wait until you find somebody who likes more in-person contact I think it's difficult because I know even when I was dating there's that period where and I I mean I have finally I think I probably just aged out of this where I'm like listen I'm not playing this game of you know how many times should I call or how long do I wait to be called back you know (laughs) the texting it's just it's it's such a crazy thing because uh, technology you know you would call someone they weren't home you left a message you waited until they called you back now you call Mm -hmm. they don't pick up you can text you know it's just this thing of I feel like there's no air or just time allowed you know between things and I used to be super obsessive about stuff like that you know I call you you don't call me back it's over (laughs) you know I would have made up a story of what you were doing (laughs) what you were doing and why you hadn't called me back and so I just think that it gets tricky but now I think it's okay to say um I prefer phone calls you know and if that and if the person is Mm -hmm. saying if the person's like, well, I don't like talking to the phone, then that's not your person, you know, you know, and right. to not, you not feel like you have to change yourself to, because they prefer to text, you know? And I just think that that's what right. I feel like we do as women a ton is like, well, if feeling like, how do we adjust to, to, to men? But I, I am curious to know what you think. And now I didn't even, this has just hit me, you know, there are all these, this think like a man madness, you know, and I feel like there's so many people mm. telling women how they should be acting in relationships. Mm-hmm. I just want to know what you think about this. Yeah, I don't really okay. like any of that stuff. Well, first of all, it's it's mostly not right. women. Um, so I, I have an issue with that, right? Like that people who are not even women coming to tell women right. how they should be doing. Um, but I also think that doesn't leave any room for like our individual experiences and history. Like what will work for me will be totally different for you. So, you know, these generic descriptions and prescriptions about how we should be mm-hmm. to date and all that stuff mostly okay. does not work. You're not, you're not going for it. no I'm not a fan I agree I agree because people are doing you know just because you are a married couple you don't have the you'd like you say you don't have the prescription for this individual um this question came in and I Mm -hmm. thought it was pretty uh pretty interesting and juicy so I definitely want to know what you think so um young lady writes me and says for the past one year she's been in a relationship with a guy from her country um they live in the UK um she was introduced by this guy's cousin when we first started getting to know each other i started telling him about my life and past relationships he said he does not like discussing past relationships because the past is in the past he says we should concentrate on the future now uh, and what we have together because she's cuz she's friends with his cousin she knows a lot about his past relationships he's been cheated on before but he doesn't know much about mine He knows the names of two of my exes and that's it. Recently, we started having issues because my past keeps creeping back up. Those are his words, not mine. 
one time we were together and my phone rang. It was one of my exes calling. My boyfriend went crazy and started saying, why is my ex calling me? What do we have going on? Um, she tried to tell him, she says, you know, if he would actually let me tell him about my past, he'd know that this ex was my friend first. And we eventually, we realized that dating wouldn't work. So we went back to being friends. There's no romantic connection. He wouldn't hear any of it and tried to break up with me. We eventually got back together, but he brings it up every time we argue. Anyway, six days ago, he came over to my place to help me get rid of my old bed because I was getting a new one. When he tried to dismantle the bed, he saw quote unquote, something underneath the bed that belonged to one of my exes. I had no idea it was there. I have lived in that flat for four years now, and this was my first time changing my bed. At first, he accused me of cheating. Then he broke up with me and went home. I tried explaining to him that I lived in my flat for four years and dated before I met him a year ago, that I also was not aware of something being under the bed because I've gotten rid of all remittance of past relationships. He then stopped accusing me of cheating, but broke up with me anyway because my past keeps creeping up my leak i'm devastated this is the first relationship that i've been in that i've been treated right see if this was if i wasn't doing this with you and i was doing my regular breakdown i would be like highlight underline this is the first uh-huh. relationship that you've been treated right <laughs> um he's been supportive in everything i do and always puts me first he's introduced me to his family and calls my mom often to check on her my question is is it fair normal for your partner to not want to know anything regarding your past relationships but has an issue whenever something from your past comes up restless in the uk Ooh, that was a that was a good juicy one yeah yeah that's a lot going on so i i'm first very sorry to hear that you're devastated right like breakups suck there's just no easy way around that and i you know can imagine that must be really really painful especially when it doesn't sound like there's anything that you actually did um but but you also already know that he's coming in with this history Mm -hmm. of being cheated on and so a lot of his reactions are actually sparked from that and have nothing to do with you which of course is unfair to you but i do think that that's likely what's going on and so now that you know this, once you can kind of get through some of the devastation, I think you have to, even if you guys, you know, are able to get back together, um, is this something that you're okay with? Because he likely will continue to have these kinds of reactions when things from right. your past come up. I just, I, I'm also sad that she's devastated, but I think that that was something that would have run, that stuck out to me is that this is the first relationship that I've been treated right. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think like for me, I, I would have said something like that in my past and, and it would have stemmed from this is the first time that, you know, a guy, you know, was, let's just say he was faithful, you know, or he he got back to me in a sufficient amount of time. And I would have like there ha- there would be maybe two or three things that I had never experienced in a relationship, you know, that I really wanted. And then I got it. You know, I, I've been with a guy who didn't cheat on me and who was a person of his word and took me out on dates and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, he still wasn't the person for me because he wasn't, you know, ambitious. He wasn't, you know, he didn't meet some of these other needs. And, and so I would go out on, on a limb and say, he's, you know, he's not treating you right. You know, he's not treating you right. And Dr. Joy, you could probably cut me up on this one, but I will tell you, this is, this is how I am. This is how I am as it, when it comes to dating, 
I think I know my limit. And I, I've said to to anybody that I'm dating in this new post therapy, my leak, if you leave today, you know, because I feel like sometimes guys will do that. They get mad. They want to leave. They hang up at the phone. And mm-hmm. then now you are sitting around waiting to hear from them. And now they have all the control. Right. And it's just like, F that. If you go, don't mm-hmm. come back. Period. Because I'm not dealing with that. Because I feel like if I allow you to do that once, you'll continue to do it. And especially if it's in the early stages of a relationship. Like if we in like month one, two, three, and you pull that, get going. You know, but mm-hmm. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. too, you know. I probably I'm probably too good. I'm probably I'm probably too good at moving <laughs> on. But I just <laughs> I just don't like that because I just I don't know. And so it's like <sighs> you know, I always say what Well, it is mm-hmm. it is very telling, right? It is very like not, you know, because you could also like if you just need space because you feel like a situation okay. has gotten too heated, you could say, you know what, I need the weekend to think about this, but let's check in about okay. this again on Monday. You could get space from whatever is happening without completely okay. leaving the relationship. So I do think that that is a very telling and concerning mm-hmm. sign, right? That he just checks out and, you know, like mm-hmm. it's done with you whenever, you know, he feels like his feelings have been hurt. So, you know, I would be careful, um, you know, because likely he will pop up at some point again right like I I feel like exes always kind of pop up in a couple of months Mm -hmm. to kind of see what's going on so you know I think you have to make the decision for yourself whether this kind of behavior is something that you're going to be okay with because I would want to hear what would be different once he does try to come back you know like what would make you convince what would convince you that anything would be different even if he does try to get back into your life oh gosh you know I don't like him, but you know, (laughs) but you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to err on your side, Dr. Joy and be more open. And I do find that like therapists are usually the door. It's like, they, I feel like when you go to therapy, it's like, you're not going to get an answer, but it's just like, I'm going to help you think about some things versus tell what to do or not do. Right. Where me, I'm your friend. That's like, no girl. No, no. <laughs> you know, it's like, and this is, I know I, I'm almost afraid to say this before I get into my next question. I'm very afraid to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, that I, I'm triggered, I guess is the word uh, by the whole sort of like, um, this, this Beyonce, Jay-Z taking you back tour thing, uh, because it feels very mm-hmm. ride or die, um, it feels, you know, like, I don't know. I just want women to feel like they have more options, but I'm, but I, we're not even going to talk about it. I'm, don't write me. Don't be me. I'm just saying that I'm triggered by it. I'm triggered <laughs> by it, y'all. And we can talk about it uh, some other time, but, but we're not, we're not going to get beat up over this today. Um, <laughs> okay. Next question is, um, and let me keep, let me check the time, make sure I don't wear you down. Um, Currently in my first relationship ever at a late age, very late bloomer here. And I feel like I have no clue what I'm doing. Recently, I've discovered that I'm highly insecure. I keep having dreams that my lover breaks up with me, rejects and cheats on me. But in real life, he's the sweetest, most patient guy and says I'm the perfect girl for him and that he loves me every day. But I don't feel like it. I might have to do with just feeling like this relationship landed in my lap on accident and I don't deserve it. 
being someone who has never really been the apple of anyone's eye before, you know? So I guess that has made my self-esteem not the best. How do I feel better about myself and my standing in this relationship? Mm. Mm. Again, a lot to unpack there. Um, So of course my initial answer will be a therapist will be amazing to talk to um, because you're seeing some things that to me indicate like what has been going on throughout your life that you've not felt like the apple of anybody's Mm -hmm. eye, um, which, you know, like, okay, what's going on with your friendships? What's going on with family? You know, it just kind of is giving me the feel of like, I don't ever feel like I've been special. Um, And so, you know, you do have to be careful because if you're looking for your partner to kind of give you all of that, then what happens if something should happen with this relationship, then do you go back to not feeling special, right? So we we do want to go into relationships with our own already sense of like, I'm valuable, I have worth, my worth doesn't come from being in this relationship with the partner. I think another good book, um, a good book to check out would be um, Self-Compassion by Dr. Kristen Neff, um, because it really gets into some of this, like, how can you be more gentle with yourself? How can you, you know, be kind to yourself in the same ways that we're typically kind to our friends, but some of us struggle with doing that for ourselves. So I think that would also be a good book to check out. But I do really think a therapist would help you to kind of unpack some of all of these insecurities and self-esteem stuff. Yeah. Okay. And then I have a... I have a sort of a family question, which I wrote the lady back like, wow, I feel like I could have written this. But um, she says, and I, I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on cutting ties with fa- toxic family members. Um, I feel like that's easily one of mm-hmm. the hardest things uh, for us. But she says, um, I suppose that I'm loosely estranged from one of my older brothers, considering that I only speak to him when forced to interact with him during the holidays and the rare occasion that we are both at our parents' house at the same time. She says she's going to try to make it brief, but her brother has struggled with what her, what doctors think is bipolar disorder and or personality disorder for most of his adult life and, and another autoimmune disorder for his entire life. Um, this has not only caused him to have a pill addiction, but the bipolar illness caused him to have very destructive behavior. He has been verbally and physically abusive towards me on and off for almost the past decade. The off part was mostly when I was not in contact with him, living out of our home state or just avoiding him. Some of the worst incidents include him punching me in my face in public in front of our nieces and nephews, posting my picture on Facebook with a caption saying that I have an STD. I don't. FYI. And the last major incident was throwing rocks at my car while I was trying to drive away. Um, Not to mention he has had countless physical altercations with my father, been verbally abusive towards my mother as well. The last time we met to reconcile, it ended with him not owning up to anything that was his fault, then threatening to kill me if I ever came back to his house. He invited me over. I did not show up unannounced. How did I get rid of how do I get rid of my anger about things that I know will never, I'll never receive an apology for? Um, last summer, he texted me saying he was sorry for anything he did to contribute to the breakdown of our relationship. But that's not actually owning up to anything. Um, now that he is recovering and getting his life together, my parents are happy, but I don't think it's fair that his past just gets forgotten. So I'm, she says, I'm struggling with a few things here. I have a great therapist who says I need to completely stay away from my brother, but I'm struggling with the guilt. He is my brother and I don't know how or if I will ever be able to just completely let him go. However, I'm still angry about all of the things that have happened that I never received an apology for. I'm not close with my 
other siblings either. I'm not currently in a relationship and I think it can be lonely to go through life without having a relationship with my siblings, especially as, as my parents age. If I'm truly going to cut ties with my brother, how can I grieve this relationship? Will the guilt ever go away? I just want to heal from this trauma in the best way that I can and not continue to carry this hurt and anger. Thoughts? Yeah, so I'm glad that she is working with a therapist because it does sound like mm-hmm. that is a lot to manage. And I do think, you know, unfortunately, lots of us have yeah. these kinds of stories where, um, you know, there are family members who just have been outright yes. abusive um, to us. And, and there's still this belief that we have to kind of continue a relationship with them mm-hmm. because they're family. Um, and so I think we have to be careful of taking that narrative too far because, you know, just because you're born to the same same parents and raised in the same house, like that in some ways is like the end of where that story is. Like you're still two different people with different personalities, different things going on. And so if this were a stranger, you, I'm sure, would not even be considering whether you would entertain continuing in this relationship, right? And so I do think, and of course, it's hard. It's not an easy thing. So I don't want you to think I'm minimizing like the the guilt and the pain that exists with this, but it is possible. You know, other people have done it. There are lots of books around it because it is such an unfortunately common thing. Um, But I think that the whole thing is kind of leaning into the guilt and allowing yourself to feel that, right? Because I think you're probably putting a lot of pressure on yourself to like wipe away that feeling like, oh, I I just don't want to feel it. But if you allow yourself to feel the guilt, it becomes a little more comfortable. It it doesn't always hurt as bad as it's probably hurting right now. And so I think a part of what you're struggling with, too, is that you haven't actually made the decision, making the decision and then figuring out, okay, this is how I'm going to work around it. This is how I may still navigate holidays or whatever. I think once you've made a decision and then can come up with a plan that may help you to feel a little better about your decision. But you may always have some pain related to not having the relationship you wanted with your brother, right? Like there's nothing abnormal with that. But I do think you have to, you have to choose self in this case. You have to think about what my life would look like if I did allow him to come back into my life. And I'm not sure Mm -hmm. of what would happen. You know, you do have to make sure that you're taking care of yourself Um, first. I don't talk a ton about my family here on the podcast out of respect for them. But, you know, I think I have shared here that I have been estranged. I, a lot of people think that I'm an only child, but I have an older brother, um, four years older than me. And I've been estranged from him for close to a decade. Um, and I think you, you made some really good points about, you know, I, this is, this is my only sibling and I have felt that way too. I tried multiple times. Like I've always just, you know, I, I would be jealous of other people's, you know, sibling relationships. Um, but after, you know, it was just always, anytime we would get together or interact, it would end in tears or it would just feel too heavy. And I think like you, I really appreciate you saying it's making the decision, you know, that's the part that makes it hard. But then once I decided, okay, I just can't do this. Then, you know, you set some, I kind of just set up a plan or around how I would deal with things. And so it was just a thing where I kind of communicated to my parents that like, this is how I would prefer to do holidays. You know, I, I'll come first or, you know, I'll come during this time, but I just, I just don't want that anymore. And it's, I don't think it's as, it hasn't 
it's not as bad as I think some people thought it was. And I find myself happier that it's just lower drama. You know, there's nothing happening. There's no, he mm-hmm. said, she said, because I'm not, because I wasn't there, you know, and that used to be a big, yeah, a right. big, big thing of like, Oh, he said you did this and this. I'm like, now that's done. Um, but you'll be surprised that people will, I found that like my family would respect me saying, you know, I'm not coming to this or I'm coming first or early or within these hours. Um, and that, you know, if he comes, I'm just, I'm going to go. I'm not going to make a scene. I'm just mm-hmm. going to go. And um, right. I have felt, you know, I have felt better about that. Um, but, but that is tough. And I think that that is making the decision. And, but I guess my question for you is you said lean into to the guilt. How does one do that? Is it just, just allowing yourself to feel bad about it yeah I mean because I think sometimes we get really upset at ourselves because we have like what of course is a natural reaction to this right like I think some of that of course it feels bad to have to remove yourself from this relationship that society and everybody else tells us Mm -hmm. like we should have so I think some of it is really just allowing yourself the space to feel whatever that emotion is and then figure out how to deal with it you don't have to get rid of the emotion the emotion is natural it's a totally natural response to have but fighting against it is what causes a lot of the tension So I have, I want to talk about two more things and then, um, I won't, I won't hold you. I think we'll, we'll get close to our hour. Um, but I thought this was a good question. She says, uh, two separate therapists have suggested medication for depression. Um, I don't want to become reliant for the rest of my life, which is why I haven't started. Is there a healthy routine that can be established? What are your thoughts? So my guess is that the other therapists have also talked about alternatives. So they likely have talked about probably your sleep regimen, what's going on with your exercise, what's going on with your diet. Um, if you haven't gotten like a panel workup from like your primary care doctor, that may also be a good um, option to try just to, to rule out anything else that may be going on. Um, but if two separate therapists have suggested medication, then I would encourage so I can be the third therapist to at least encourage you to maybe have a conversation with a um, psychiatrist or a psychiatric nurse practitioner or whoever prescribes in your state um, just to get the information because I think sometimes people are just really confused about what medication Mm -hmm. does and how long they'll have to be on it and all of these things and that if you had a conversation with the prescriber a lot of those fears could be um, you know remedied because you would get the real information so I think it's worth at least a conversation Um, but, but likely if your therapist have said that they're likely seeing like significant difficulties with your functioning that they think would be improved by medication. Um, So I would encourage you to at least have the conversation with a prescriber who could give you some information about it. Big uh, fear. One of my closest childhood friend is a pharmacist and she was just saying that, you know, we have this huge fear of medication when in many cases it can be helpful. 
Oh, it's super helpful. It's super helpful. I mean, a lot of people now, you know, sometimes it takes, again, just like finding the right therapist. Sometimes you have to try multiple um, medications to find the one that is good for you. But once people can find a good medication, lots of people see drastic improvement in their like mood and their ability to function and the ways, you know, that depression may be impacting their lives. So that's probably why the therapists are suggesting it is that you likely would see some improvement if you tried it. I feel before I even get into my last topic, um, I want to talk about uh, the suicides that, you know, I think they said that we were at the highest rate ever um, and with the recent Mm -hmm. news. And I was watching CNN and I felt like they were they they keep talking about like, you know, noticing the signs. But some people say that they didn't see any signs at all. anything Mm -hmm. and if it's if if this is not something that can happen you know in a few minutes i understand but is there something that we can do to help our friends because you know they're always like check on your strong friends and this and that what can we do Mm -hmm. um Yeah, I mean, and I think you can just check in on all of your friends, but isn't that what friendship is, right? Like, I think, um, so, you know, making sure that you're engaged with the people who mean something to you, not just your strong friends, but all of your friends. Um, But I think why people were saying that is because, um, you know, typically the strong quote unquote friend may have developed more of a mask. And so even if something is going on, you may not know it. Um, But, you know, the the ugly truth and like the, the really hopeless piece of um, like all of this related to suicides is that a lot of people once they have decided that they're going to end their life will not tell you anything Mm -hmm. right and that's the scary piece um, because they've made this decision and they don't want anybody to stop them but I don't think that that means that we don't continue to check on our friends or if we see like drastic changes in mood and like, you know, your friend was always coming out with you and now they don't anymore. Like, I definitely think we ought to be asking questions like, hey, is everything okay? You know, do we need to talk about something and offering support when we see things happening? But, you know, if if somebody has decided that they are going to end their life, unfortunately, there is not a lot we can do sometimes. That that makes perfect sense. So um, you have this phenomenal podcast that I feel like everybody is, I see, talking about and that I did. I got a little envious of like, oh, I wish that was my podcast. I want to talk about, I want to talk about (laughs) therapy all the time. (laughs) Um, so, and I was just kind of going through some of the episodes. What has been, um, one of the most popular episodes for you, Dr. Joy? Like, what is the thing that people want? You know, if people who may not have heard of you and who are getting to know you on this podcast, if they, when they hop over to your, your channel, what's something that people that you just Mm -hmm. like, this was a popping topic. Yeah, there are lots of them, but I think the one that comes up most often is the conversation around boundaries. And that was my final um, so there was an episode. Too. So that's it. Yeah, I was like, I was, I was going to end on that. Yeah, because that is okay. So with yes. boundaries, let's let's talk about boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, and I feel like it is becoming a bit of a buzzword that sometimes we don't always know what it means. um, But we see it kind of thrown around a lot. But boundaries basically are like your invisible and sometimes very well stated 
limits about what's okay for you and what's not okay for you what's okay you know how is it what kinds of things are okay to do to you and what kinds of things are not what kinds of um, actions are okay in your presence and what kinds of things are not you know what are all of the the values that you hold in place that you then communicate to other people so that they are showing that they are respectful of your space but I feel like people really struggle with those all together you know maybe have a family mm-hmm. and that was one of the questions that I got is that um this young lady asked me you know how do you set um how do you set boundaries for yourself especially familial I th- this is something I struggle with often is it right to sacrifice a personal goal for helping family first and so I was just like girl th- I've been I'm still in therapy because dot 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 boundaries <laughs> because I'll get good in one area, you know, all of a sudden it's like, okay, I got this, but then I'm not, I don't have it in some others, you know? And I feel like having Mm -hmm. a child really helped me in terms of like getting some familial boundaries better stated, if you will. But it's, you know, Mm -hmm. I am so tough, but boundaries are hard as hell. Like they are just hard. You know, it's like, how do you say something to your mom or dad? You know, how do you, Mm -hmm. you know, the guilt that you may have around, you know, a lot of us, I think I read an article that said that in the black community, um, black kids are expected to take care of their family, you know you become an adult, you take care of your parents. We're in other, in other cultures, Mm -hmm. white culture, if you will, Caucasian, I I don't know, people wouldn't call that culture, but in Caucasian society, the parents are expected to take care of the kid forever, you know? So Mm -hmm. there's always this guilt of like, you know, can I do things and not take care of them, which I'm pretty sure you probably hear often. Um, but mm-hmm. it's difficult. Uh, any, I don't know, any tips to help us with family boundaries? Yeah, that, those are typically the uh. most difficult. Um, and you know, and we are talking about like generational yes. wealth. I mean, there's a real yes. reason why that has happened right. the way it has, right? Like, you know, lots of our lines down in our families didn't have wealth. So there is no way to necessarily support you. Whereas in right. other families, there is money that exists. Um, so it, it developed mm-hmm. for a reason, but I do think we need to, to look at, okay, if you want to do some of that, is there a way that you can do that without mm-hmm. sacrificing yourself? I mean, so not just like, oh, a slight inconvenience, but right, sacrifice, right. right? Like that, that to me is a big mm-hmm. word, you know? And so I don't know that you should be sacrificing yourself to be able to take care of other, pe- other people because who's then going to take care of you right. when you need it? So I do think you have to look at, okay, what can I do feasibly in help without actually sacrificing my mm-hmm. own goals? But I do think, you know, because of some of the, um, you know, relationships that in, in, in this happens a lot with like moms and daughters. Um, and, and a lot of times because they have not had the healthiest relationships with our grandmothers. And in some ways, it's like a passed on kind of dynamic that we have to break at some point. Um, but there is a lot of like guilt and like manipulating, um, you know, like, OK, I want you to do this thing and I'm your mother. So you have to, uh, you know, and the Bible kind of reinforces this whole oh, honor thy mother I, and father. Yes, and thy days will be long. <laughs> 
Yeah. And so, but I don't know that honor has to mean sacrifice. It can mean helping when you can and being respectful and, you know, doing all the things that you feel like are within limits. But if you feel like you you can't do it, then you just can't do it. You don't have to break your back to try to, um, you know, to kind of do things for other people when you just don't have the time or the energy or the space to be able to do it. And I think uh, I always joke. Uh, in therapy she goes I'm going to give you a gift and it was the gift of let me think about it and when I tell you that I have found Mm -hmm. that like using that phrase most people kind of just go away you know hey my late can you buy me this or can I have that you're like you know what can I think about it and you know it's like usually if they come usually they know what that means that's like a really nice no for those of us who are still afraid to say no sometimes you know like i i still don't feel Mm -hmm. tickets coming straight out and being like nah but i'm like you know (laughs) (laughs) um hey can i think about it and it's like okay and then they come back like you know i thought about it and you know just because you have money doesn't mean that you have to give it away you know, and doesn't mean that you can't say be saving it for your own rainy day. And like you said, who's who's going mm-hmm. to take care of you? Um, so, Dr. Joy, as we get ready to wrap up this podcast um, and I'm going to, you know, I feel like I'm making this like the church altar call, you know, for, the, <laughs> for those who are out there who are still on the fence, you know, is there anything that you can maybe share with my listeners? And I feel like a lot of them have gotten so comfortable with just going to therapy. Um, any Anything you, you could say to sort of like help ease their fears, like, you know, uh, make it accessible. Um, maybe a quick how to get started. Uh, can you can you share with us? Yeah, well, I actually have a guide to getting Ooh. started. And so I put together a little package for awesome. your listeners. Um, so, so because I figured a lot of people, you know, may mm-hmm. want to do it. They hear you talk about it. It sounds interesting, but they don't know how to okay. quite get started. And it is a, it's a huge task. So I put together a little guide. Um, so it's the guide to getting okay. started, um, uh, with therapy. So if you go to therapyforblackgirls.com slash my leak, then you can sign up to get that, um, get, <laughs> get a little okay, package. That's awesome. And I didn't even know you did that. And now that is so, thank you so much because I feel like that is the hardest thing of like, people may know they want to go, but they don't even, and you know, I only went because someone literally was like, here's her number, give her a call. Otherwise I don't even know what Mm -hmm. I would have done. Okay. So you put that together for us. Therapy for black girls backslash my leak. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then tell us how to find you everywhere. And like I told you the other day, I happened to walk past your office going to therapy and I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. She's here. Um, yeah, so, yeah. so how how can we find you, you know, podcast, website, and so on? Mm-hmm. So if you go to the website, therapyforblackgirls.com, you'll see uh, links for the directory and all of the podcast okay. episodes. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you find your podcast. Um, and then all across social media, I am Therapy for Black Girls. Um, but on Twitter, it's Therapy for the number four okay. B-Girls. Okay. And your new headshots look great. 
Yes. Thank you. Um, I just, I appreciate you. I appreciate the work that you do. I think, you know, I, I, I say that I am, I am a much better person because I go to therapy. Like I'm certain that I am in a happy, healthy, loving, romantic relationship. And I have a child only because I was able to work with a therapist who was able to talk me out of the lies that I was telling myself and those lies being, oh, you know, I'm just too busy. You know, relationships just aren't for me. Um, I don't know anything mm-hmm. about kids. Like forced me to, to be honest with myself about what I wanted. Um, and then working with me and encouraging me to do the work, to have the kind of life that I have and not feel like I couldn't have it, you know, because of these statistics and all of that stuff. And so um, I think, you know, when I think about the many things that have attributed to my success, my therapist is right up in the top um, of just like, you know, helping me every step of the way and just giving me that encouragement and, you know, giving me a gold star when I don't, you know, go off or melt down or cut somebody off. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, I can't, you know, if you, I remember I, I reached out to you because someone said they saw you at my live podcast. I was like, what? Why did she, why did she <laughs> yes. say anything to me? Um, so, and you, it, maybe you did because I was like three days pregnant and like a mess that at that podcast, but, um, I appreciate you so much and thank you for coming on. I don't know if you have anything that you may want to say, but I'll give you the floor and then we'll end it. Okay. No. Yeah, that that's a beautiful yeah. testimony. So I really think that speaks to the 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 beauty of like how an amazing therapist can really yes, change your life. I agree. Dr. Joy, yeah. thank you so much. Thank you.